an inspired and authoritative word. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Most gracious fathers, we look at your word once again and hear this clear presentation of what it was that Christ was coming to do and how it was that it would be accomplished. I ask that you would illumine all of our hearts and minds that we might understand and hear and be comforted. And I ask that you would strengthen me by your spirit that I might encourage and comfort your people with the words of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, I asked the kids, and I'll ask you the same question. Has there ever been something in your life that you were determined to do, that you were intent on accomplishing? Maybe it was, you know, getting a particular job or, or getting a particular degree or getting married. It could, it could be any number of things. Maybe you at some point had some goal of, I want to run a marathon. I'm intent on running a marathon. And you knew what it would take to accomplish that. And you knew that it would be hard. Now, my guess is that, that a lot of you, like myself, have had things in your life that you were determined to do. But then you got into them, and they were real hard, and you didn't quite do them. Because it was just too much. I've had a, a goal, it's, it's kind of silly, I get that, I've clearly not accomplished it, but I've had a goal for at least as long as Annie and I have been married that I want to be able to bitch press my body weight. Now the problem with this goal, it's not incredibly lofty, a lot of people can do it, some of you may be able to do it, but it requires a lot of consistency and a lot of hard work in the gym. And I'm not good at that. I make it, what, babe, usually about six weeks. And then I suddenly, I, you know, get sick or get busy or whatever. And that's about as far as I ever make it. When we come to what Christ was intent on doing, we find that all of these things that, that we may be determined to do in our life, pale in comparison in the difficulty of what Jesus was setting out to do. And, and when we think about the crucifixion and the death of Christ and all of the stuff that happened to him, a lot of times, and I understand why, we have a tendency to, to focus on, man, can you believe how brutal this death was? Can you believe what he endured? Can you believe how horrible they were to Jesus? And all of that is absolutely true. But I think as we see 
in this passage. I think what we see in this passage is, is yes, it was, it was brutal. He's, he's delivered over, he's betrayed, he's mocked, all of those things. But as we follow the flow of the story through Mark, what we see is that Jesus was intent on doing all of that. He was intent on, on going and suffering. And so it begs the question, why? Why was he intent on doing this? Most of the things that, that we kind of set as goals and, and, and set our intent on and, and are determined to do really just have to do with us. Maybe we want to look a certain way or, or reach a certain level of fitness or, or make a certain... Maybe, maybe the goals like kind of reach a little bit further out and encompass our family. We want to provide them a good life or, or whatever. But when we look at why it was that Jesus was doing what he was doing, it was to accomplish not something for himself, but something for us. That, that all of the determination, all of the intentions of Christ to go to Jerusalem and suffer were because he loves us. And and. And because he wanted to provide for us exactly what we needed. Which was that our sin would be dealt with. That our sin would be paid for. That's what this is all about. And as, as we get into the story, we, we begin to see how intent Jesus was on this. Re remember the context. There's just been these two stories of these little kids bringing nothing and being accepted. And then this rich young ruler coming and, and being unable to give up everything and being turned away. And in, in, in the context of that, we, we see this picture of Christ where it says, And they were on their road going up to Jerusalem. We know, if, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know why Jesus was going to Jerusalem, don't you? He was going to die. He was going to accomplish the will of his Father, which was that he would die in the place of his people. The, the commentaries talk about this, that, that, that Jesus was resolutely set on Jerusalem. That was his goal. But it's fascinating because he was resolutely set on Jerusalem knowing full well exactly what was waiting for him there. Knowing full well that he was going there to be betrayed by one of his closest one of his closest followers that he was going there to be condemned to death unjustly, that he was going there to die at the hands of the Gentiles, and that in the process of all of that, he would be mocked, he would be beaten, he would be spit on, that, that that's what he was going to do. There's nothing in my life that if I knew, there's no situation, there's nothing in me, I should say, that if I knew this is what lies ahead of me, 
that I would keep going to Jerusalem. But Jesus does. And he does so knowing where he's headed, knowing why he's headed there, and it tells us that he's leading the way. He's out in front. Everybody else is following him. He's not just moving along with the crowd that happens to be going to Jerusalem for some upcoming festival. He is resolutely set on going there because he knows that's what he's been sent to do. And he's been sent to do it out of the love of the Father for sinners like you and I. And so he sets his sights on Jerusalem and leads his disciples there. Now, they're aware that, that something is going to happen. It tells us that, that they're, they're afraid. They're amazed that they're astonished. They, they don't know what's coming. But they know we're not just going to the city to have a good time. They, they know that, that something bigger is about to happen. And so they're scared. And so Jesus gets his 12 and, and, he, and he brings them around and he tells them, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise from the dead. Let's go. That's what we're going to do to see me crucified and risen again. Now, all of a sudden, we start to, to think back on, on these stories that have come before. And, and, and the story, particularly, that we looked at last week with the, the rich young man and, and, and his, un, his inability to, to give up everything and, and this idea that it's impossible, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, and, and which leads his disciples to say, well, then who can be saved? There's this, this reality that, okay, this isn't possible. And Jesus' response to all of that is, you're right. With man, it's not. But with God, it is. And, and the next thing he tells them is, is, he kind of answers, well, how can that be? How can it be that, that God can do what, this thing that, that's impossible for us? Well, the way that can be the case is because Jesus was going to Jerusalem to do the very thing that the rich young ruler couldn't. He was going to Jerusalem to do the very thing that, 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 that hearing the call, his disciples said, how, who can be saved? How can this be? He was going to Jerusalem to give up his life and everything that he held dear, save the Father's will, in order to make this salvation possible. That's what he was going to do. Do, do you understand? Do you see with me that, that Jesus wasn't just this passive character in his own life? Sometimes I think, at least I do, we, we tend to kind of read the stories and, and we think about Jesus moving through these stories in the same way that you and I would move through them, where, where this crazy thing happens and we're like, whoa, that was incredible. And then something hard happens. We're like, man, that was hard. But, but we tend to kind of process our own lives uh, kind of oftentimes very passively. 
It's, there's this, this string of events that, that happens to us, and, and some are good, and, and some are bad, some are fantastic, some are horrible, but we just kind of are moving through this life, and we don't know what's coming next, and, and we hope that it's great. And, and I think sometimes we think that's how Jesus was moving through life. The same way that you and I do. Not knowing what was coming. But we find out that wasn't the case at all. This was the third time that he looked at his disciples and said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. Everything Jesus did, he did intentionally, actively, not passively. Why? Because he loved us, and it was the Father's will that he did all that he did that he might have us. Because we're the beloved. We're the ones that, that God loved even while we were still sinners. And so he announces this. And, but, but even in the, the terms that he announces it, there's some interesting things that happen. See, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. Now, we hear Son of Man, and we think, okay, yeah, that's a statement about Jesus' humanity, that he was fully man, just like you and I. You know, 100% man, everything that, that, that's necessary to being a human, Jesus was. And that's certainly true. But this favorite title that Jesus gives himself, Son of Man, actually has a rich background. If we go back to Daniel 7, we, we see this vision where, where, where he sees the Ancient of Days and, and one like the Son of Man appears and all the dominion, all of the authority, all of the kingdoms of the earth are given to him. In other words, this Son of Man is this royal figure, this, this king who would inherit all of creation. But there's this weird paradox here, isn't there? He's claiming to be the Son of Man. He's claiming to be the promised king, the ruler, who, who, whose kingdom would be forever and, and whose, whose dominion would be everlasting and, and, and far-reaching. But this one is also going to die. This one's also going to suffer. And that's the key to the whole story, isn't it? That that's exactly what had to happen for him to inherit his kingdom. He had to die. Why? Because the thing that stood against his kingdom, the thing that stood against the kingdom of God was death itself. And death had to be conquered. The thing that, that, that keeps us from God, the thing that, that keeps us outside of the kingdom is death because of our sin. Our sin had to be conquered. And so if this son of man, if he was going to take dominion, if he was going to have a kingdom, and if he was going to populate it with anyone at all, this son of man had to go through this paradox of getting his kingdom by dying. He had to do the exact thing that the rich young ruler had been called to do. 
give up his entire life for the sake of the kingdom. And so what we see as we, as we come to this passage, we see the incredible love of Christ on display. Because we begin to see that, that no, he wasn't actually, he, he didn't just show up in Jerusalem and, and then all of a sudden was like, oh, oh wait. It started really good. Like, like people were laying down palm branches and coats and, and I was riding in and, and they were shouting Hosanna in the highest. And it started off really fantastic. But man, it went south real quick. Now all of a sudden I find myself, I'm on trial and I'm being lied about and, and they're asking for, for, for Barabbas to be released instead of me. And, and, and when, I'm, when I'm mentioned, they, they yell out, crucify? This wasn't what I was expecting. No, that's exactly what Jesus was expecting. Do we get that the whole reason Jesus came? And I, and I, I realize, I, I'm fully aware, I was fully aware when I was working on this. I'm, gonna, I'm saying the same thing over and over and over. I know that. Because I want it to soak in. The whole reason Jesus came was to die for those that he loved. To die for you who he loved. The Father was so intent on having you as his child, that, that he looked at his eternal son, the second person of the Trinity, and said, son, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take on flesh, to humble yourself in that way, stepping down out of heaven and taking on the flesh like one of these down here that hate us. I need you to become like one of them. Emptying yourself. Living perfectly in obedience to my will. And then I need you to die. So that death can be conquered for them. Do you understand, dear Christians, that it was the intent of your heavenly father to have you as his child. And that's why Christ came. Because he wanted you as his. Do you understand, dear Christian, that, the, that it was the intent of your savior? It was his intention all along, to come and die for you. To pay for your sin. That he actively chose this in obedience to his Father who loved him because they and the Spirit love us. Do we understand how utterly not passive the working out of our salvation is. 
that Jesus intentionally went to Jerusalem to be betrayed, to be mocked, to be beaten, to be killed, to pay for your sin. And then on the third day to rise, to conquer death for you. There was no passivity in him whatsoever. None. And do you understand that because of that, as we now look at our lives, and if you're like me, you, you, you can identify, you, you look at life and you know where it's supposed to go. You know it's supposed to go to glory. You, you, you know that, that, that we're supposed to make it to the new Jerusalem, that there's these promises to the one who conquers. I will give all of this. It, it's like that song by Sandra McCracken, God's Highway, where, where, where she sings, the, the way is clear. My eyes are clear. I know the way. But I can't see how we're getting there. She says it much better than that. Isn't that how the Christian life feels? It is for me. I know where this is supposed to go. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever about what the way there is. We're supposed to go to glory. We're supposed to, to make it to heaven. We're, we're supposed to, to stick with Christ to the end. But the reality is most days we wake up going, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I, just, I mean, I get it. That's where we're supposed to go. But I don't know if I'm going to make it. Because even though I can see clearly it seems so impossibly far away. And I don't know how to get there. Do we see that the intention with which Jesus set his eyes on Jerusalem when he walked this earth is the same intention with which he sets his eyes on bringing the new Jerusalem to us. Do you see that? Did you see that, that, that just like he didn't follow his disciples and mix in and, and kind of accidentally show up in Jerusalem and, and, and accidentally get himself killed and, and then accidentally rise from that, that, that just as all of that was intentional and he led his disciples there knowing that one would betray him knowing that almost no one would be there when he died and that, that his boldest most brash in your face disciple of all would deny him three times. With that same intention that he went to Jerusalem, he's bringing Jerusalem to us. And we should be comforted by that. He will come again. 
He will bring us to the new Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem to us. He will do that. Assuredly and as intentionally as He went to Jerusalem to die the first time, He will bring it to us and us to it to reign in glory and us with Him forever. This is why Paul can so confidently write, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Remember that. Remember that that the Christian life isn't he who began a good work in you is really rooting for you and hoping that you finish things off well. No. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Now, why do we need to hear this? Why do we need to hear all about this this intentionality and active work of Jesus? Because that means it's not up to you and I to get ourselves there. Any more than it was up to the disciples to get Jesus there the first time. He went on purpose. He will come again on purpose. He will lead us there on purpose. So all those days that we wake up going, I know where I'm supposed to go. I know what direction glory is. But I don't have the strength. I don't have the heart. I don't have the faith. I'm not even sure really that that I know how to get there. It's at that exact moment that we look to Jesus. It's at that exact moment that we remember the intentional love of our Father who sent His Son to go purposely to Jerusalem to die for you and I. And he's not going to forget. He's not going to forget to bring us along. And so when we feel all that turmoil of life and all that angst and all the frustration and all the fear that we all feel, We look to Christ who intentionally has gone before us in suffering and death in order that he might bring us with him to himself in the new heavens and new earth. He is our hope. He is the rock. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that that you show us in your word how intent you were on saving us. That you show us in your word that Christ wasn't passive in any of this. And that you teach us to trust you. That that you 
are just as intentional, just as intent on seeing us through to the end. And that all those moments that we feel like we're just done or undone, that it feels impossible for us, that it's not for you. And you will finish in us what you have begun. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Conway podcast. We hope this teaching has helped you grow in the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Please feel free to share this resource so that others may also be strengthened in their faith through the study of scripture and theology.